I want to thank all of our members this morning for being willing to share part of their story with us. And uh, first on the list, I have Jean Self. I'm a high school English teacher, and it's so much easier speaking all day in front of them than it is my peers. <laughs> my journey to this place at this time began when I was 12, when my Baptist Sunday school teacher informed me that my Catholic mother wasn't a Christian, that until my mother accepted Christ as her personal Savior, she could not hope to enter the kingdom of heaven. I was 12. It was the 50s, the last decade of innocence. My eyes filled, but only for a second. And although I couldn't verbalize what I was thinking, I sensed that there was something not right about that reasoning. Looking back now, I'm certain that moment was the beginning of my departure from organized religion. Fast forward to college, Trinity University in San Antonio. I didn't go to church. I visited the churches of several denominations, collecting numerous pamphlets with titles like What Lutherans Believe, What Presbyterians Believe, What Methodists Believe. I wasn't at home in any organized religion. So I ceased going to church. A college roommate once observed, You know what you are? You're a Unitarian. It was the first time I heard Unitarian. What do they believe, I asked. That's just it, she answered. There is no dogma. It's bring your own God. (laughs) I remember smiling, liking that answer. Bring your own God or not. That was my introduction to the Unitarian part of this church. I vowed that one day I would look into it. The Universalist part came in the fall of 1966. I was single, living in a four-room walk-up in San Antonio, teaching English and French in a middle school. A full-page ad appeared in the San Antonio light. Hawaii needs 600 teachers. One had to be single and commit for two years. Hawaii had only been a state for a few years, They were organizing their public school system to be in line with the other states. I was at the right place at the right time. Interviews were held at the Crockett Hotel on a Saturday morning. The interviewer for that job was Japanese, the first I had ever met. He asked me in that interview what my image of Hawaii was. As we talked, he told me that Hawaii was much more than a turquoise ocean, pineapples, and palm trees. He used the phrase, many cultures, and asked me, on a scale of one to ten, where would I place myself in adapting to these many cultures, many religions, many languages? He said, it's not enough to accept the differences. We hope our teachers will appreciate the differences. I assigned myself a modest eight and a half, but today I'd give myself a solid 11. Island people are different. They're never in a hurry. Almost like they they go with the flow, the ebb and flow of the tide. If you show up operating in fourth gear, you will learn to live in first gear. 
a much slower pace. And because you slow down, you will see more and hear more and sing more. You'll breathe better. Hawaii has the lowest incidence of heart disease and cancer. Island people are different. I read once that in some islands, one seldom hears a baby cry. People are easily tolerant of differences. For two years, I lived with other teachers in a rural area called Waianae. We had the mountains on one side, the ocean on the other. Every night, I fell asleep to the pounding of the surf, and everything I owned fit in the back of a Volkswagen Beetle. It was beautifully simple and simply beautiful. We were not without serpents in that paradise. Vietnam was raging. I carried a banner with others that read, Make Love, Not War. A bumper sticker read, Jesus was the first hippie. It was a time for flower power, peace, and love. Barack Obama was five years old, living on the south end of that island. One word encapsulated an entire experience. Wow. Someone said something profound, and the rest of us muttered, Wow. A couple married on a mountaintop, and moments later a small plane flew over and showered us with baby orchids. Wow. We're still saying it. Right after our president took the oath of office on January 20th, wow. I'm fond of saying that I'm a leftover hippie and proud of it. (laughs) The seven principles of the Unitarian Universalist Church were all around me. Each person was important. I witnessed many acts of kindness, learning together, the searching for what is true, all of us in our way building a fair and peaceful world, caring for the earth as well as each other. At the end of my two years' commitment, I left Hawaii and returned to the mainland, ending up in Frierson, Louisiana. What price love, I always say. (laughs) Thirty-two years, my husband and I have lived happily on a small farm in a house we built and then married in, raised a lovely daughter in. Dr. D.L. Dykes, for many years the minister of First United Methodist Church, was finally the one who showed us the way home, our spiritual home, in this place where we are today. He died 12 years ago this month, but his impact on the lives of millions is still felt. Susan Caldwell asked us to speak on what brought us here and why do we stay. I stay because on the first day of summer, someone's going to hurl beach balls on us, and awaken our playful child. I love that we sing If I Had a Hammer while the chaplain plays a mean guitar. I love to watch the many acts of kindness like Franklin Adams and John Ross helping each other. I love members sharing their ideas the way Henry Walker did when he angrily said, I want my country back. I love Chester Kelly saying, Religion belongs in the privacy of one's heart and signing off with yours in the joyous struggle. 
I loved hugging Carol Graywing as she wept openly that Sunday morning when several UUs in another church in Tennessee were shot as they worshipped. Carol said they were her family. I love Susan Caldwell's stories, always short and simple, but carrying a big message. I love singing our children's their classes. I love Susan Benninger just because she is. My grandmother used to say that we walk towards our destiny. I've been walking to this place all my life. Dr. Dykes once observed that all faiths would one day be universal, each of us on a spiritual journey to find what we know to be true, while respecting the views of another's truth, the divine in us acknowledging the divine in another, all of us like kindergartners holding hands and sticking together. Wow. Peace and love. follow that one. Uh, <laughs> Susan Caldwell called me and left me a voicemail. And I got it after about an hour or two and I listened to it and she said, I really want you to, to speak at church. All right, save that message. Don't call her back. <laughs> if I avoid her, I don't do it. I don't like public speaking. It's not my thing. About two weeks later, she calls again. Same message. But this one had a little twist. I'm putting you down. (laughs) I called her back. I said, all right, I can do this. I'm not much for speaking, but I'll figure it out. I said, what's the topic? Well, what got you here? Uh-oh. I got to look back. And then I finally figured it out. Started off as a little boy. Grew up in upstate New York. Small working class community. Nothing real spectacular. Just grew up in a... Grew up Methodist. Why? I had to search for That's what we had always been. Nothing changed. But the biggest influence on me was my grandfather. Grew up very modestly in a rural upstate town. Wasn't even supposed to graduate college. Well, never did graduate college. Barely graduated from high school. But he always had a thirst for knowledge and always had one thing that he always taught me. All people have something in common. You just got to search for it. And it wasn't something he just taught me. Because to teach me is like opening up a book and me to read something to you. He showed me. 
This was a man who, if he had two nickels in his pocket, was rich. But he could walk up to a governor and find something to talk about. He could walk up to somebody begging on the street and he'd find the common ground. And that had a lot of impact on me. Because here was somebody that would tell me that everybody had something in common, you just had to search for it. But he showed me. And I never saw that reflected like when we went to church. I felt like I was being preached to. But then my grandfather would show me. I said, all right. Then I went off to high school, and I took a dramatic change. I went to an all-boys Jesuit Catholic high school. Well, I didn't know what I was getting into. I had a thirst for knowledge that I was not getting at a school system that I attended. And I told my parents, this is what I want. And they gave it to me. I don't have any bad feelings about it. A lot of things, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, learned a lot about the Catholic Church. Saw a lot of things I didn't like. A lot of hypocrisy. I knew that wasn't for me. But I still had a thirst for knowledge. They were filling that thirst. It was a college prep school. Everybody was supposed to go. 99.9% .9 attend college. Guess what? I'm point one. I decided I'd had enough. My grandfather had always taught me, expand, expand your, your, your line of sight. He traveled the world on a steamer as a merchant marine. I remember hearing the stories as a child, so I said, hmm, well, I don't know anybody that's got a boat. So I joined the Air Force. Got my first shot at diversity there. Because I grew up where everybody looked the same, everybody thought the same. There was nothing spectacular about it. It wasn't until I went back after a few years in the military. And I spent two weeks back in my hometown. Something wasn't right. Something was missing. And it finally dawned on me. I saw nothing but working class, middle class, white Americans. And I said, for two years... It's been a melting pot because that was my first shot at diversity. It didn't matter who you were, black, white, oriental. It didn't matter. Y'all worked for the common goal, for the common good. I also got to travel the world. I got to go to Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and it introduced me to different cultures.
and it sprung a curiosity. And I thought back to my grandfather, and he said, always find the common denominator, the something that you have in common. And as long as you search for that common, there'll be peace. You can find a peace. But it was the organized religions that put the blinders on people. And I just, I didn't like it. It wasn't me. And so, for years, you couldn't catch me inside of a church. Because I could take a little bit, and I could find the good, but it was all the extra baggage that would run me out. I met my wife because we had so much in common and our views on religion were pretty much the same. And of course, along come kids. And as you might know, I have quite a few. <laughs> and in some people, you know, when we come across some people, they think, oh, it's for religious reasons. Mm, no, not me. I'm not like those Duggars up in Arkansas or anything like that. I just, you know, things work out for a reason. And my wife and I were talking one day and we said, you know, it would be nice if the children could learn what we have learned through the School of Hard Knocks, however you want to call it. And she goes, I found this place on online. And it looks like a, a nice place. All people have worth. And I said, hmm, I've heard that. I said, that's, you know, that came down from my side of the family. I said, okay. And she told me where it was. I said, I know where that place is. And I'm not sure we're going to fit in there. You know, I'm throwing up every roadblock I can. I don't like church. Not my thing. That Sunday morning thing, I don't know. She goes, well, let's go give it a try. It starts at 11. I said, oh, I don't have to get up early. <laughs> I like that. So we come sneaking in at 11 o'clock. Not that my family can sneak anywhere. <laughs> and there's Ron at the door and Susan Caldwell. Susan instantly takes the kids and whisks them off to class. And Ron's shaking hands. And we come in and I hear Jimmy Buffett on the, on the sound system. I'm like, wait a minute. This is supposed to be church. I can kind of deal with this. I said, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember the sermon that night, that day. But I remember Jimmy Buffett. After church, we kind of hung around for just a little bit. And on the way home, asked the kids, what do you think? Well, they liked it. And we learned some stuff. Hmm. Okay. 
And I had very much enjoyed it. I decided to give it another try. And I think it was the next Sunday that we attended. They said, oh, there's going to be this informational session this evening talking about the Genesis 6. My wife and I looked at each other and said, let's, let's, let's take a look and see what they have to say. Henry Walker was there. And his wife, Lori. And he spoke with such passion about social justice. And I said, hmm. I told my wife, I said, they're actually putting their money where their mouth is. They're not just preaching to people. They see something wrong and they want to make it right. It's just not do as I say, but watch me do it. It meant a lot. So I can, I can see ourselves continuing to go here. It's not just, you know, this is the way it is on Sunday and we live the rest of our lives a different way. Because I see that in the community too much. And I see the inequality that Henry was talking about. Because in my job, I can work anywhere from the crack house to the penthouse. I deal with all social, economic, religious types. It doesn't matter. I walk among them all. Every day. And it doesn't matter to me whether this person's got a dime or got ten million. I look for the common denominator in everybody, and we all have it. And that's what makes my life enjoyable. And then being able to come somewhere on a Sunday and meet with people, and it doesn't matter what you do, what your station in life is, we all have that common denominator. That's what keeps me coming. But it's also the next generation that keeps me coming. Because if we quit with our actions, if we don't put actions to our thought, Somewhere it'll stop. And this is a church that's always shown me. We will act the way we think. And that's what keeps me here. It also stimulates me intellectually. I miss it when I can come in here on a Sunday and be inspired. Because I don't feel as though this church preaches to anybody. It inspires people. That's what keeps me coming. Thank you.
couple of hard acts to follow. <clears throat> well, I got asked the same questions. Um, what brought me here and what keeps me here? I like titles, so I titled mine, I Came, I Saw, I Stayed. First of all, I am delighted to have a chance to speak something of my spiritual religious journey, of how I came to all souls and what who compels me to keep coming back, what makes my involvement a choice rather than a chore. In 1997, I came initially because of Barbara. She'd been a member for years. She seemed very committed to it. And in fact, she'd just become the DRE. Now, I, I had been raised in the Presbyterian Church. I knew some Bible verses. Overall, I believed in God. I could repeat with an error or two the Apostles' Creed if you spotted me the first couple of words. But I hadn't attended church since I left home, uh, since I went to college. I used prayer much like a fire extinguisher. You know, if I was in a tight situation or crisis, I'd pray to get out of the jam, and once extricated, then it was business as usual. All of this is to say that starting to attend church, any church, was a different experience. What I saw... What I experienced when I came was first being welcomed without being swept off my feet. Now, I knew it would be important to come several times to get a feel for things. The first couple of things I attended were the silent auction and Artist Sunday. I quickly realized this wasn't the church I had grown up in. But I took to it, and it took to me. I saw people struggle with issues. I heard that this was a faith of deeds and not creeds. I heard we do not have to think alike to love alike. And these things resonated with me. So the part where I've stayed or I've kept coming back. You know, we come for any number of reasons. We stay probably for other reasons. So I can only speak for myself about why I've stayed. Because I have found a place, a church, where I belong and where I can be known. <clears throat> it says something about relatedness. You use coalesce around affirmations. We start with the units and affirmation. It starts with love is the doctrine of this church. We have our principles and purposes, which summons us to our best selves to affirm the integrity and worth of the person and the dignity of difference and diversity. Unitarian Universalism is a different kind of religion, so it's difficult to describe, particularly from the perspective of traditional religions other than to say what it's not, like we're not like this, we're not like that. But it's important to remember that the difficulty in describing should not be confused with thinking it's inferior or it's less than. Part of the difficulty is because we believe that truth and right 
are still being revealed, that revelation is not sealed, so our words do change over time. And then there's that democratic process thing that requires thought, patience, and practice of tolerance, particularly in light of that thinking alike, not thinking alike proposition. And I think, as Hank once said, that uh, democracy is not an energy-saving device. (laughs) I stay because I'm part of the dialogue of who we are as a church and what we might well be focusing on. And I don't know that I could be a part of this in any other church. Since I've been a member... It seems that we are always questioning, or oftentimes questioning, who we are as a church or what we should be. If we're humanists, if we're spiritualists, if we are justice seekers, if we are freedom fighters. And to me, this questioning isn't altogether bad, because this is a living system. And we are trying to define, think, and rethink religious freedom. Freedom is fluid. It's not a bought and possessed proposition, and it's not necessarily permanent. It's part of our religious heritage to be good good stewards of liberal, that is, free religion. We are the guardians and conduit for freedom, the freedom to think, to make choices, to worship. And this is perhaps the only church in this area where this is such a focus. I keep coming back to be part of a chapter of the long story of the long journey, and it's always a journey, of liberal religion. We are heirs, or I'm an heir to the abolitionists, the suffragettes, freedom fighters of all description. I'm proud to be part of a religious tradition that doesn't claim perfection, that doesn't think it has a corner on the market on truth. It's a religious tradition of possibility and of faith in people as well as faith in a higher order. Our church is about motion. It's about becoming, always becoming. I stay feeling privileged to be part of a tradition, part of a church that attempts to grow, to oust secrets, to catch and release the profound, and that works on melding the secular scientific with the spiritual. I identify with this church that implicitly gets it, that humans, that we, are complex and answers aren't simple. I belong to a church where heresy is not a discouraging word, And it helps me, being a part of this church, helps me identify my coordinates in life. I keep coming back because of what we've heard this morning from the fellow companions on this journey, because of the chalice that reflects our history, it reflects our connection with other faiths, and signifies the light of reason in otherwise a dark time. 
I come because we call this church free. I stay to be part of something bigger and to help shape what shapes me. I keep coming back because there is something here that won't let me go. Thank you.